0: Hi, Dale. Hello. Hey, Greg. Hey. Are you ready to have some more conversation about advanced applications of the orderly conversation?
1: Let's do it. Yep.
0: All right. Well, we've established your approach to talent development overall, and we've laid out what the foundations of the orderly conversation are in a few different contexts. What I'd like to do is talk about another hot topic in learning and development, and that is executive presence. Mm. It's been talked about for years except that a real solid definition has been quite elusive. Right. Greg, you recently wrote a blog article about it, which included a glowing review of a book called All the Leader You Can Be. So according to this book, what is executive presence? And how does it get past this idea of, you know, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it.
1: Yeah. So I want to give credit where credit is due because Suzanne Bates has written an. Amazing book based on a lot of research that, that she and her team have done. And so, to answer your question, let's back up a few years, several years really, and talk about the sorts of requests we get from our clients. So, for years, we have been getting requests around leadership communication, working as being a, a part of leadership development programs. You know, we, we come in and do the, the communication piece and this sense of executive presence is always talked about but when we start asking clients well what do you what do you actually mean when you think of executive presence nobody can give you a a very satisfying answer you know they they say things like gravitas or the ability to own a room or well-dressed
2: or showing up the right way
1: right yeah and and while those things are important it it still isn't a very good definition of what executive presence is and it certainly never really clicked for us on how do you coach it It, uh, on top of that it almost always had a um a a male connotation rather than a business person uh connotation right
0: amen to that
1: Yeah. yeah So anyway, I, I started doing some research and buying a lot of books on executive presence, and I didn't like any of them until I landed on Suzanne's book, "All the Leader You Can Be," and all of a sudden it just clicked. And I'm I'm so thankful that she was able to do that. And and uh, recently, many members of our team, you were not able to do it, unfortunately.
0: And I'm still sad about it. Yeah,
1: but we we actually became certified in the uh, in the concepts of her version of executive presence. And how to coach it. So we are really excited about that. The question though, actually, I think I might have lost the question because <laughs> I was doing setting some context. <laughs> what was the question?
0: How would you define executive presence ah, right. based on this book? And then how do people improve on that?
1: The first thing to understand is that Suzanne breaks presence down into what she calls three dimensions. The first dimension being character traits, the second being substance, and then the third style. So let me dig into each of those a little bit. So within each of these dimensions, we have five facets. So a total of 15 facets. So in Under character, we have things like authenticity and humility, and these are traits that stem from our childhood, so they're really ingrained in who we are, what our character is um, as adults. Substance is a little bit different because it's about being business savvy or having business acumen, so it's about your practical wisdom, your ability to not only identify a vision, but also articulate and communicate the vision and then under style we have of course appearance but it's only one of the five the others are you know, th- how assertive are you in in your communications stuff like that so when all of those come together the the 15 facets really help you understand a well-rounded human being and what's interesting to me is that oh golly let's take assertiveness as an example. So part of the part of the certification was we had to do the assessment ourselves, which is a 360. So we had our direct reports, people that we report to over the years, all of these people are doing this assessment on us. And one of the really interesting facets for me, which is a little difficult to talk about because it's so ingrained with who I am, but I'm incredibly assertive. That is a strength until it's not. Right, and so there's a, the, the you have to find the the happy medium. So because I am so assertive, and let's just take our own internal meetings as an example, I appear as if I don't maybe care so much about somebody's opinion as I genuinely do. So this is not it, that adds another layer, which is this is all about perceptions and how how are we showing up day after day after day, and how are we cultivating relationships now the other interesting thing to me is that all 15 of these facets are observable behaviors in meetings so that's how we get then to coaching because all of these things are going to are are going to um, be observable in one way or another
0: so can you give me an example like you just gave us the example of you yourself with assertiveness that's one of those um, those style issues mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: within the dimensions. What about the character issues? I mean, is there is there one of those that you can choose and sort of help us understand how that works? Because I think what we're running into again is is similar to the hard skills, soft skills conversation that we had a couple of episodes ago, mm-hmm. where people say, "Well, you know, it's a soft skill. It's just innate. If I don't have it, I don't have it." How do those character traits? get worked on.
1: Yeah. So mm, let's, let's focus on humility. So you, you, how humble do you appear? That's an observable behavior, right? Because Mm -hmm. if somebody is, let's say selling an idea, but they are so maybe bulldozing their idea, or maybe they've taken somebody else's idea and run with it, that, that approaches on humility.
0: We talked, again, when it came to the orderly conversation, which is helping me see how these two dovetail, Yeah. that part of what we do is, for example, with eye contact, to have the external behavior change the internal landscape mm-hmm. of the person presenting. Is that a similar mechanism for this executive presence idea that Suzanne lays out?
1: It is. Yeah.
0: Okay one of the things then, that we talked about in an earlier conversation are the drawbacks of mashing up different training approaches. So explain to me how Suzanne Bates's idea of executive presence fits with the orderly conversation. Do they clash? Do they play well together? And in what specific areas?
1: Yeah. So, the the 15 facets as as we already said show up in meetings but but they show up in other ways as well but because we are working with individuals in communication situations what we're going to, and we're we're really good at coaching people about how to be more effective the once we layer in these 15 facets so let's say that that an executive a group of executives has a 360 done, the, the Bates assessment, and we have a report. And we can see the one individual is really high on, oh gosh, intentionality. In other words, they are very intentional with how they show up with an agenda. They have a very specific goal in mind when they go into a meeting. That's that's observable. Someone else might have low, let's say, confidence Level low confidence in themselves so we would help them appear more confident and we would point out because in our coaching we're always growing people's self-awareness and that's really what this is right because it's all about understanding how are people perceiving me and how can I flex or how can I work to pull back my assertiveness so that I am not coming across as harsh as what people how people are perceiving me
2: And the parallel with us in terms of just methodology is that because the Bait stuff is a 360 that focuses just on observable behavior. That's it. It just, what do you see this or hear this with this person? That's very, the parallel with us is the video recording, because I think watching a video in our classes is very much like looking at your 360 results. It can be shocking and surprising and unpleasant because you're hearing things that you don't intend to communicate, but you are. Your assertiveness might be might be one of those.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: My lack of assertiveness, because Greg's strength is assertive, one of my weaknesses is assertiveness. And when I was being coached during the certification, the coach said to me, "You know, it would be nice, maybe imagine being at a meeting, working with the people that you with the people that you work with, and you actually take the time, make the effort to speak up." About your opinion given that opinion that would really help them move through whatever the conversation happens to be rather than sitting back and maybe in this situation let Greg be the assertive one or not saying anything because I want to think about it some more he said it might be a good thing for you to do for their from their perspective they need that from you and I thought oh that's really true and I, I don't want to hear it but it's, <laughs> but it is really true so I think it's it's very practical and very down-to-earth specific no judgment it's not that's just what they're seeing they're, That's that, that's how you're coming across It's not like you're a bad person. It's like this is what people observe with you
1: And I think the other thing That is important to remember about this particular way of applying the orderly conversation in this advanced application way Is that we are working with executives with a lot of experience and they've worked with a lot of people over the years so this particular executive presence concept does not work for entry-level people or even mid-range people because you have to have enough experience behind you for that people can actually react to how you show up over time.
0: Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The other parallel that I'm seeing, because as you said, I wasn't in the training, but we've talked about it a little bit, not in front of a live mic, <laughs> and that is the the uh, customization and, and individual work that goes on. You're not being told, here's what you do to look like an executive. You're being told, Dale, here's what you need to amp up or right. or dial back right. in order to reach your best equilibrium. And Greg, you have a whole different set of things that you need to crank up or dial back.
1: That's true. Every, everything that you just said is absolutely true. There's another layer though, that we should talk about, which is placing this coaching within a business context. So in other words, when, when I was being coached, so so I had just seen the results of my assessment, some of it confirmed my own feelings, other things were very difficult to look at. And, th- and that's gonna be true for everybody. Um, but one of the first things my coach asked me is, what are you trying to accomplish in the business? So, at, and, and I answered that. And he said, thank you, because that leads me down a certain path. So here's a, 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 just sort of a, a hypothetical example. Let's say that Turpin was going through tumultuous change, and we really needed a strong leader to get us through whatever was happening. My assertiveness would serve me and the organization really, really well. Really well. But that wasn't the context that we were working on. We were, we were talking about other other things and so my assertiveness was actually an overstrength that needed to be addressed so it's the coaching is so nuanced based on the context with which that we're in and that's gonna change over time so maybe I hope this doesn't happen but let's say that we do have tumultuous change and a lot of rocky you know rough waters that need to be navigated through I can then, now that I understand my assertiveness, uh, my nature, I can dial that up when I need to and then dial it down when I need to.
0: So it sounds like you're equipped with the ability to sort of tweak the recipe depending on circumstances. Exactly.
1: Mm -hmm. And I, you know, Turpin is all about growing people's self-awareness and this takes sort of a really high level.
0: Therefore, engendering even more empathy for our learners watching some themselves. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Something that, of course, has, it's so not new anymore, although it was pretty revolutionary when it was first talked about, uh, but that has become really a part of how businesses and especially HR talks about and thinks about employees is emotional intelligence. And I think in some very obvious ways, we've already discussed how it filters in, but I'm just wondering if either of you has anything further to say about the connection.
1: Well, clearly it's there. I do know Dale, do you want to talk about that? No, I think
2: it has, emotional intelligence has to do with how you manage yourself and how you manage others and how empathetic you are and all of mm-hmm. those. And I won't go into more detail, but it's very similar to the Bates thing. Although the Bates thing is again based, entirely on what people see what they observe in you
0: that raises an interesting question because we had talked in a previous conversation about the fact that when we're training people in the orderly conversation a part of what we're training is not only here's what you do but here's how you receive what other people do what other people say what they need how they're responding Mm -hmm. to what you're giving them to what extent is this executive presence I mean, I can see how some of the dimensions are responsive, but to what extent does the training focus on responsiveness in that same way?
1: Well, it's all about how you respond under certain circumstances. So uh, we we talk in our classes a lot about avoiding knee jerk reactions, right? So Mm -hmm. we need to be engaged in the moment in this conversation so that we make good decisions about where we want to go next, and those need to be decisions, not knee-jerk reactions, and executive presence is exactly that. So let's take, Mm. let's say composure as an example. Composure is one of the facets in the substance dimension, and composure is really about when you are in crisis, how are you going to respond? Are you the one w- who is calm, cool, and collected, and knows exactly what needs to happen, or are you the one shouting fire in the, in the theater? And that is about making very, very strong decisions. So you've probably heard about people when, when maybe there's a car accident, All of a sudden, nothing else matters, and they are just zeroed in on what needs to happen to help this individual out of the car, Mm -hmm. and that's what we're talking about with composure, which is not to be confused with restraint, which is over on the character uh, dimension, and that's about just having a calm disposition. So what was interesting, I'll talk about my assessment again, is I actually assessed fairly low comparatively on restraint because I'm so opinionated so it appears to other people that I don't have the ability to keep my mouth shut that's a problem right I need to I need to learn learn some restraint but that has nothing to do with how I respond during crisis which is the composure piece
0: where some assertiveness might actually be welcome
1: and that's the beauty of the facet right, right. The, this jewel that we all are with the 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 15 facets
0: I just have to... Jewel is very nice. I had a picture of a disco ball in my head. <laughs> hey, that works too. Yeah, you go where yeah. you go, that's you know? One.
2: I think it's... If we look just at the word presence, that's what we're... That's what Bates is talking about. That's what we talk about. Being aware, self-aware all the time. Not Okay, maybe not all the time, but trying to be self-aware and know what's going on around you and respect, respecting that and res- responding to that in an appropriate way. That's all that's about. And that's what needs to happen during a meeting or during a presentation. So... There's a real parallel there between you got to know what you're good at and know what to work on. That sort of simplicity that's really welcome because it sounds complicated with all the facets and the dimensions, but it's really not.
1: Once you take a look at it, it yeah, yeah it, it, it
2: boils down to a few things that apply, that affect everything. So it's very similar to what we do in that respect.
1: So I, I know you probably want to wrap this up, but I, but before that, I, I want to talk about appearance because it's actually one of the more misunderstood facets here so when they talk about appearance it's about being appropriate for the situation so you know when when we are working with a client that has a strict dress code and yes those companies still do exist and some of those are our clients we have to show up in the way that shows respect for not only the dress code but the other individuals in the room so it's it's appropriate being appropriate we were recently with a client in um, agriculture and we needed to be appropriately dressed with them, which meant jeans and sweaters rather than coat and tie. And so it's always about being appropriate for the situation.
2: Yeah. What interested me with the appearance stuff is that it's not just clothing. It's about, do you appear healthy? Do you, do you appear to, to, take care of yourself all of that which is important as well do you appear rested right
1: right and actually self-care plays a pretty big role in executive presence because you can't you can't be truly thoughtful you can't be intentional about how you are showing up with all these 15 facets if if you're tired fatigued
0: and the interesting thing is too i think you know for example as you know i i I work in many contexts. Sometimes I'm with Turpin, but I also teach college students. And I also moderate focus groups from time to time. And I'm just thinking now for my own self about how the recipe, the levels for each thing get tweaked Mm -hmm. in those situations. Because in one place I have authority that I'm expected to show. And in another place I have authority that I'm expected to use but submerge. And how does that all play out? This is really an astonishing conversation. And I'm now even more regretful that I wasn't in on the training.
1: We regret that too. Well,
0: ending on a note of severe regret. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you again for a great conversation, Dale and Greg. Thank you.